Wow. Isn't that awesome? Come on, let's just lift up a shout of praise. And so we're just going to keep trusting God too, that that's going to completely disappear. Jesus, we just thank you for that incredible answer to prayer. We thank you for uh, this incredible miracle of Doris's tumor shrinking. And we just command whatever's left to disappear in Jesus' name. We just stand with them for the completion of this miracle in Jesus' name. Jesus, we thank you that, that you will finish what you've started. Amen. All right, can I be honest with you guys for a second? <laughs> Just for a second. Okay. Um, as we're looking ahead at our, our, we've been talking about vision. Last week was the start of our vision for 2030. That's a big deal. We're looking at vision for 10 years of the church and where I feel like God is leading the church. And I've had a couple of things that, that I've been praying for, and I haven't told anyone because they're personal. They're for the church, but, but they're personal in that they're far too big for me to accomplish. They're far too big for us to accomplish, and so they're things that I'm praying into because I know that they're things that, that are on God's heart. Uh, one of them is that, that when, before we even came, I started praying that 10% of Salt Spring would be saved. And at first, it was like, okay, God, 10% in the first year. And uh, I was going big. Um, but but it's, it's changed because we've passed the first year, and we're still not at 10%. But I'm still praying for it. One of my, my dreams is that we would see 10%, not, not for all eternity, but even just over the next 10 years, that we would see 10% of Salt Spring Island saved, come to know Jesus. That's a big deal. That's like... If there's 10,000 people in winter, that's 1,000 people. If there's 20,000 in summer, that's 2,000 people that would come to know Jesus on Salt Spring. Can you imagine the impact? And so I'm being, I'm being really honest, but, but my, my desire is that we would start praying for that together. That we would start praying for our neighbors, for our community to encounter Jesus. See, it seems crazy, but actually if you look at the numbers, and I know some of you are not numbers people, um, but the reality is if you're reaching people, that is numbers. People are not numbers, but in order to have an increase of people, you have to have an increase of numbers. Right? It's kind of basic. Um, in our first year, we saw growth from about 30 to 40 or sorry, in the last two years, we've seen growth from about 30 to 40 to 80 to 90 in two years. That works out to a growth of, of about 65% in our church. For some of you, I know you don't care about this. You're like, this doesn't matter to me. But I just, I just want to put this in, in context for a second. It was about 48% growth in 
2017-2018 and 17% growth in 2018-2019. Now, if we're going to hit 1,000 people in 10 years, and again, this isn't about numbers. It's not about, well, we just want to fill the building and that's it. It's about bringing people into real encounters with Jesus. That's what it's about. And I think we're, we are starting off on a good, in, a, in a good spot. I, I think that there's, there's something so much bigger than God, that God wants to do. It's not, again, it's not about filling a building, but, but as people come to know him, they're going to gather together. They're going to gather around his presence. They're going to gather to get to know him better. And so the reason I say, well, can I be, can I be honest with you, is because it, this is something that I realize as I say it, some of you are like, well, that's crazy, and he just doesn't get it, and he doesn't been here long enough, and that could all very well be. But it doesn't mean that we can't pray for it. It doesn't mean that we can't pray for our neighbors and for our community. And it doesn't mean that in 10 years, if we're not there, we're like, oh, we failed. Because I, I guarantee if we're aiming for there, we're going to see so many people meet Jesus. Come into encounter with him. The other crazy thing that I'm praying for is that we would see a campus on every single island in the Gulf Islands. That we would actually, not in the sense of just building a building, but that we would actually build a movement together. A movement of people who, our desire is for nothing else but Jesus. Our desire is to encounter Jesus and make him known. And so in the next 10 years, I see a church that desire is to encounter Jesus, to love people, and to transform communities. And if I'm honest, I don't know all the details of what that's going to look like. There's a lot of prayer that, that goes into that. There's a lot of, of just waiting on the Holy Spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? But this morning, I want to talk a little bit about encountering Jesus. You see, we, we get so excited, and, and, and rightly so, we get so excited about, about uh, the move of God and, and healing and miracles and signs and wonders, uh, seeing people delivered and set free. And we should, we should, and don't hear me wrong, we should get excited about those things. But all of those things come out of an encounter with Jesus. There's no place to find healing outside of an encounter with Jesus. There's no place to find your identity outside from an encounter with Jesus. There's no place to find freedom outside of an encounter with Jesus. And so I want to see us getting there by living like Jesus. But in order to live like Jesus, we have to encounter Jesus. See, it's not just about us gathering on a Sunday morning and be like, wow, that was such a powerful time of worship. We just felt the Holy Spirit there and, and he moved and, and wow, I'm just, I'm on this, this incredible high right now. Um, it, it, that's, that's awesome. 
But what if our gatherings, actually, this is, this is actually a, a fact. Whatever happens in our personal lives is what's going to happen in our gatherings. If we're not encountering Jesus in our personal lives, Monday through Saturday, we're not going to encounter him on Sunday. We can maybe walk into somebody else's encounter on Sunday. I want to say that again. We can maybe walk into somebody else's encounter on Sunday. But if we want to see real, genuine encounters with Jesus, we need to be, we need to be encountering him Monday through Saturday. If we want to be able to invite people into an encounter with Jesus, we need to cultivate an encounter in our lives. And if, Jesus aren't, and if people aren't encountering Jesus in our lives, there's a good chance they're not encountering Jesus in our gatherings. I see a church leading their community into encounters with Jesus. But leading people in encounters begins with encountering Jesus ourselves. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, starting at verse 8. So the background to this is the the Holy Spirit has has fallen and he can't get up. (laughs) Sorry, that's... uh, Anybody watch Full House or... uh, Not Full House. um, What was the one with Stevie Urkel? Anybody watch that? No? That was my favorite show as a kid. I just couldn't resist. I apologize. The Holy Spirit has come down. He's descended on the disciples as they gathered. Peter preaches this amazing sermon, and it says 3,000 were added to their number that day. And then Peter's on a roll, and he just keeps preaching. And he's preaching in the temple, but they're not so keen on that. And so, uh, so the temple guards come, and they arrest Peter and John. I think, in, I don't know, sometimes I read this and it's like John is kind of like the guy who just gets dragged in. Like Peter is like the one that's full of boldness and rushes headlong in and John just kind of gets dragged with him. I don't think that's actually how it was, but sometimes that's how I picture it. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, answered, respected elders and leaders of the people, listen. So he's he's been arrested and he's standing before the leaders of of the religious community of the of the temple at the time. He says, Respected elders and leaders of the people, listen. Are we being put on trial today for doing an act of kindness by healing a frail, crippled man? Well, then you and everyone else in Israel should know that it is by the power of the name of Jesus that the crippled man stands here today, completely healed. You crucified Jesus Christ of Nazareth, but God raised him from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that you, the builders, have rejected. And now he has become the cornerstone. There is no one else who has the power to save us. For there is only one name to whom God has given the authority by which we must experience salvation. The name of Jesus. So what happened is earlier that day, 
John and Peter are going to the temple and they come across, as they come to the gate of the temple called Beautiful, there's a, a lame man that's being led to the gate to be put there to beg for money. He's been doing this for, uh, it says that he was, this man was over 40 years old when he got healed. I just spoiled the end of the story. But, um, so he's, he's there and it says that, that Peter and John looked at him and Peter said to him, look at us. And the man expecting money looks at them with intent. And Peter says to him, silver and gold I don't have. I don't have any money. You can imagine the guy's probably like, oh, why are you wasting my time then? Right? Anybody ever felt like, I don't have anything to give? No? One or two? That's good. I've felt that way. And so they, they capture this man's attention and they, they recognize him. They don't just barge right through and, you know, they're on a mission to the temple. They recognize him. They look him in the eye. And Peter says, I don't have any money. But what I do have, I will give you. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. He grabs the man by the hands and lifts him. And as they're lifting him, the man's ankles are restored. And it says he, he is leaping and rejoicing. And then Peter and John get, because of the commotion, get rushed off to, to meet with these leaders. And this is their address. But then I want you to pay attention to this uh, verse 13 just for a second. It says, The council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John. Especially when they discovered they were just ordinary men who had never had religious training. Any ordinary people in here? This is what it says. Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. Isn't that incredible? You see, as we become saturated with the presence of God, as we spend time encountering him personally, there's an overflow to lead other people into encounters. Or we can actually, like Peter, say, I don't have necessarily the, the best thing for you right now, what you think is the best for you. I don't have the money. I don't have the, you know, maybe you need a car. I don't have that. But you know what I do have? I have the Holy Spirit. And I would love to give that to you. That there's actually something that happens when we just spend time with Jesus that it so changes us, it so transforms us that even the people who came to criticize Peter and John recognized that they had been with Jesus. They recognized the effect that Jesus had on their lives just by them being with Isn't that incredible? I don't know about you, but, but sometimes I feel like, you know, I just don't have the right words. Like, I don't know what to say sometimes. I know you think, probably because I'm up here, I always have the right words, and actually, because I'm up here, you should know I don't always have the right words. But there's something about spending time with Jesus and just being obedient to Him. Just moving day by day, going after his presence. 
where I become saturated in his presence, where his... Okay, side note, quick side note. The Holy Spirit is God's presence with us, right? Jesus came to tear the veil in the temple, the thing that separates you from the presence of God, which means from that point on, right, from which point? From the point that that Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn. There is nothing separating you from heaven, from the presence of God. You have a choice in how you steward that. But you have full access to the kingdom of heaven. That actually the glory of God rests on you as you go through your day. And again, you have a choice of how you steward that. Are you going to be aware of it or are you going to ignore it? But Jesus has already done the work. So if you're feeling like, well, I just, I'm not holy enough, I'm not righteous enough to, to have that kind of communion with God, that's a lie because that's what Jesus died to pay for. To tear that veil, to cleanse you from sin so that you could approach the throne of God. So as we are saturated in his presence, as we spend time with him, we start moving in power. You might ask this morning, well, why presence? Why, why not something else? Why, why are we talking about encountering the presence of Jesus? It's because that's where we're healed. That's where we're delivered. But also, it matters because when we encounter the, the, the presence of Jesus, we actually learn what a healthy fear of the Lord looks like. We actually learn that not the kind where we're afraid to approach him, but, but where I have a fear of the Lord. I have a fear of, of I, I have such a, a, maybe fear, fear conjures up all kinds of ideas and images in our head, but, but maybe reverence would be an appropriate term. We think of fear and we think of running away and hiding. But actually, when the Bible talks about fear of the Lord, it's talking about such a reverence for God that that fear of man doesn't hold anything on me anymore. I'm not afraid of what other people think because... Now, I'm not saying I'm not afraid because I still deal with that. But as I come into his presence, as I encounter his holiness, his grace, his mercy, his love... It changes something in me so that I become less afraid of people. I become less afraid of their, what they're going to think of me if I start talking about Jesus. It also puts in us a reverence for God where, where sin actually doesn't have a hold anymore because we are so in awe of who Jesus is. Instead of being afraid of evangelism because of what people think, we just can't hold it in anymore because we are so in awe and reverence.
And it's not just about the well-crafted words, but it's actually about allowing the Holy Spirit to move in everyday words. So why is encountering Jesus part of our vision for the next 10 years? In Revelations 22, 2 and 3, I'm just going to read this quickly. Revelations 22, 2 and 3, it says, The river was flowing in the middle of the streets of the city, and on either side of the river was the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of ripe fruit, according to each month of the year. And the leaves of the tree of life are for the healing of the nations. We've had words over our church in the past about being a place for the healing of the nations. But I want you to pay close attention to this verse. It says this, And every curse will be broken and no longer exist, for the throne of God and the Lamb will be, will be there in the city. The reason for the healing of the nations is because the presence of God is there. And the river symbolizing the Holy Spirit is flowing through the middle, through the middle of the city. That is why there's healing. That's why we see nations healed. And so I believe if, I believe that as those words were spoken over our church of being a place of healing for the nations, that we, if we're gonna see that happen, we have to make the presence of Jesus central in our city, in our community, in our church, in our gatherings, in our lives. And I think when we do that, I believe that as we do that, we'll see healing, cultural healing, we'll see healing of families, we'll see divisions and places where there's not unity become unified. That, that people who don't feel belonging will actually experience belonging in the presence of Jesus. They'll walk in to an... Again, it's not just about walking into the building, it's actually walking into into your presence. As they walk, as they come into contact with you, that they will experience such a belonging from heaven through your lives. Through our lives. That, that as the people encounter the presence of Jesus, they will be transformed. Because as they belong, they, be, they start to become. And as they spend time with Jesus, they start to look like Him. And as we spend time with Jesus, we start to look like Him. And marriages will be restored because we anchor ourselves in the presence of Jesus. Do you know you can't be anchored in the presence of Jesus and be mad at your spouse? Jesus will tell you, go take care of that. Go deal with that and then come back. Or he'll come with you to deal with that. Do you know that? You can't be, you can't be offended with your brother and sis, or sister and be living in his presence. Because I guarantee you, he'll point that out and be like, hey, you need to deal with that. It's in his presence also that our giftings are activated. Jesus it says in Ephesians that Jesus gives out gifts.
And so it's in coming to Him that He gives out gifts. And that actually our gifts go from just being dormant to actually being active. And it's by coming to Him that, that we then take those gifts and we put them into practice. That we actually start serving people and we start serving, we start serving Jesus and we start serving others with the gifts that He's put in us. It's in His presence that we actually stop with the comparison. Well, I don't have that gift or I don't have that gift. So therefore, you know, maybe you're thinking, well, I just don't have the gift of evangelism, so I probably shouldn't talk to anyone about Jesus. But what if you used your gifts through encountering Jesus so that other people could encounter him? Most importantly, when I encounter his presence, I realize how little it's about me and how much it's about him. Evangelism isn't about me. Prayer isn't about me. Worship isn't about me. Serving isn't about me. It's not about what I enjoy or what feels right for me. When I come into encounter with Jesus, it actually puts into perspective how little it's about me and how much it's about Him. I worship because He's worthy. I serve because I'm serving Him. I pray because it's about coming into communion with Him. Healing is about Him. Doing things with excellence is because He deserves it, not because somebody else does. Freedom is about Him. We so often think about the things in our lives that we want God to deal with, and it's all about us, right? Jesus, will you just take this out of my life? Will you just deal with this problem? And He'll do it. But He'll do it because it's about Him. It's Him manifesting His nature. It's Him manifesting His character into the world, into your life. So how do we do this? How do we start building encounter into our lives? Encountering Jesus doesn't just happen. It takes being intentional. So I'm going to give you five, five ways. Okay? Five ways that we can intentionally create, cultivate encounter with Jesus in our lives. Number one, I'm going to give you a scripture reference for each one as well. Number one, Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Psalm 107, 9 as well. It says, how he satisfies the souls of thirsty ones and fills the hungry with all that is good. Number one is hunger. We cultivate hunger for Jesus. You see, what, how do you cultivate hunger in your lives? You cultivate hunger by what you feed on. 
right? Anybody ever had like a, a bowl of spinach and then afterwards you're like, wow, I'm still hungry? No, just me. What you feed on actually de- determines your level of hunger. What you, what you feed your soul determines your level of hunger for God. When you feed your soul with his word and his voice, you get more hungry for more of his word and more of his voice and more of his presence. When you feed yourself on others' opinions, uh, social media, news, and I'm not saying you, you can't have these things in your life. I'm saying, where are you feeding yourself on? Where are you, where are you getting the majority of your sustenance? We cultivate hunger by what we choose to feed on. Number two, praise. Psalm 22, 3 says, Yet I know that you are most holy. It's indisputable. You are God enthroned, surrounded with songs, living among the shouts of praise of your, priest, of your princely people. The NLT puts it this way, you, Yet you are holy, enthroned, on the praises of Israel. It actually says that the, the word enthroned is you sit. It, that it actually says that Jesus comes and he sits on the praises of his people. He comes and he rests on the praises of his people. Now if you, if you picture that for a moment, it's not this quick in and out, he's just running by and, and uh, it's actually that as we praise him, he comes and he sits. When we praise, he comes. Whatever your situation, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you feel like, you know what, this month my, finance, my finances are just a mess. I'm not feeling well. I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling discouraged. I'm feeling anxious. My life situation is not what I want it to be. I need healing. I need deliverance. I need freedom. Stop in that moment and start praising him. And he will come and he will sit on that, on those praises in that moment. It works. When you take your focus off of the situation in front of you and you start declaring your praises for Jesus, he comes and he sits. He's enthroned in that place, in that situation, and he's Lord of it. Number three, humility. James 4, 6 says, But he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. For it says in Proverbs three thirty four, God resists you when you are proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. And in verse 8, it says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. There's a humility that it takes to draw near to God. That, that when we live in pride, when we think that we have all the answers and we have it all sorted, or even sometimes it's that we don't have it sorted, but we're not willing to hand over the reins. That's still pride. Some of us, maybe we recognize, I don't have it sorted, but I'm going to hang on to these reins as long as I can. You're going to have to pry them from my cold, dead hands. That's also pride. 
It says actually that God resists you when you're pride. Does anybody want to be resisted by God? I don't. But he gives grace to the humble. He brings grace into the situation. When we come to him humbly. Number four, faith. Hebrews 11, I think it's 11.6. If I'm wrong on that, I apologize, you can correct me. It says, without faith, living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith, knowing that he is real, and that he rewards the faith of those who give all their passion and strength into seeking him. When we choose to operate in faith. And sometimes faith looks like obedience when we don't understand. God, I don't understand why this is happening, but I know what you say about this, and I will choose to walk out these steps before me. Sometimes we look at at the steps before us and we're like, God, why don't you make the path clear? And sometimes he actually is making it clear, it's just we don't want to be obedient. Ouch. Right? He's, he's lined up the steps in front of us. And part of faith is actually saying, I'm going to be obedient. Whether I see what's in front of me or not, I'm going to take this step because I know it's what you're saying. I don't know what the end result is going to be, but I'm going to trust you and I'm going to be obedient. Maybe he's asking you to take a risk. To try something you've never tried. To to step into something that you've never stepped into. Guess what? That's faith. When we step into that and say, Jesus, this is what you're asking of me. I'm going to take this step. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't feel like I have the tools and the equipment to make it happen. Number five, unity. It says in Acts 2.1 that the disciples gathered and the Holy Spirit comes. In Matthew 18.20 it says, For wherever, wherever two or three come together in honor of my name, I am right there with them. There's something that happens as we build unity. The Holy Spirit loves to come and rest on that. We can think, well, I, I have all the right theology, and I have all the right... So the Holy Spirit should come because I have good theology, right? And yet, so often, what we see in Scripture is that He comes because there was unity. That's not an excuse to have bad theology. Okay, If you have bad theology, deal with it. Church, as we encounter Jesus, he transforms us into his image. And the result is that that we love people well, we carry grace and hope, we walk in freedom, we walk in health. That's physical, spiritual, and relational health. And we actually, it actually equals us being a benefit to our community. And so if we want to see this vision happen, it's, it starts with anchoring ourselves in the necessity of encountering Jesus. 
It has to come out of there. It has to start in that place. And as we love, it invites others to encounter Jesus. And as people encounter Jesus in our lives, they want to encounter people, they want to encounter Jesus for themselves. So how do we lead people to encounter and fall in love with Jesus? We need to first encounter and fall in love with Jesus ourselves. I'm going to close with this. I see a church so in love with Jesus that they will give up everything for him. Their comfort is no longer a contender for their attention. The cry of their heart from when they wake up until they go to sleep is for more of Jesus. Undistracted, they say no to compromise and fear. With a holy boldness, unafraid, they say what Jesus says and they do what Jesus does. That we will see the sick healed, the dead raised, demons flee, and prisoners and captives set free. In John 14, 12, Jesus says this, I tell you this timeless truth, the person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. Even greater miracles than these because I go to be with the Father. Leading people into encounters begins with encountering Jesus ourselves. I believe that in the next 10 years, we can see massive step forward in our communities being transformed. Into people encountering Jesus. Being transformed by Him. Knowing His incredible love for them. But it all starts at the place of encountering Him. One last quick thought. Part of being intentional is welcoming him in. It's actually that thing where we we stand and we just say, Jesus, I don't have it, but I know you do. So will you come and just bring yourself? It's the song that we sang this morning. Jesus, there's nothing else. There's nothing else that I want. Won't you come? And he will. He will come. Sometimes what we don't like about him coming is that when he comes, he messes up all the furniture. And it happens. The things that you're comfortable in, the things that you are okay with in your life, when he comes, they have to go. And he is so good at messing up that furniture. but I guarantee you it's worth it. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your presence. I ask this morning that you would just increase our hunger for you. That we would choose to to feed ourselves on your word so that we would become more and more hungry. That you would just 
give us just a desperation for you. Lord, we say we can't live, we can't go another day without you. Jesus, we don't want to just encounter you so we can feel nice. We want to encounter you so we can transform communities. So we can disciple nations. So we can live with boldness and courage to do what you've asked us to do. So I ask right now that you would just come. I thank you that you're here. You say where two or three are gathered, you're here. But I ask that you would come in a greater measure and a greater weight. Right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to play this song. And uh, as I do, I just want you to just stay. If you if you need to go, feel free to go. But if you want to take minutes, uh, just to to let yourself, let your heart respond. If if you're done, there's coffee and tea in the foyer. Please help yourself. We'll also have prayer teams up at the front. But I just want to play this song uh, just as a reflection.